Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and Captain America and oh, the Winter big Soldier. Change. There That's we right. go. We are going to be talking about the episode that just dropped, the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as it was originally called. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And this is the final episode of the show. As far as we know, One World, One People is the name of the episode. It's episode six. Now, there's some teases here, which I'm sure we'll get to by the end of the episode for potentially some sort of season two. We'll certainly talk about that. Also, requisite spoiler warning right at the top here. If you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. We're going to jump around, spoil everything, talk about teases, talk about Easter eggs, all the big events that went on here. But let's start it off with a big fight. And by a big fight, I Between mean, us? The three, the three of us? Oh, definitely. Yes. Because... I want to talk about the show as a whole, all six episodes, how you felt about it, um, how you think it panned out. I think we certainly had some differences of opinion about how successful or not the show is. But now that it's in the rearview mirror, we can look at it as a whole. Uh, Pete, why don't you start off? Oh, great. Thank you great so much. Great choice of um, who to start off. <laughs> yeah, I think they just, it was clear from the beginning what their statement was, like, we're going to try to make uh, a bigger movie. It's just going to be kind of like a movie chopped up. It's going to be action. It's going to be great characters. And not to interrupt, but everybody loves a salad, but everybody loves a chopped salad more. So go on. Yes, that's oh, the analogy oh, okay. I think people want. And in uh, that way, just to really quick follow up on the uh, metaphor here, I think Bucky's like a tomato chopped up. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in that way, um, Falcon Winter Soldier is like a cucumber all chopped up. And then you got your blue cheese. That's your Carly sort of funky. Sure. Maybe good, maybe bad. All right, first off. Zemo's your walnuts. You're like, whoa, what are these doing here? But I like them. Uh, Zemo's like a craisin. Anyways, I think that (laughs) like... Uh, salad metaphors aside, uh, you know, I like a hot chopped on the bike, salad. Hot on the bike. Uh, I like a hot, you know, like a chopped salad or regulation salad. Uh, you know, either way. Uh, but I think that this was great. I think this was exactly what I wanted it to be. I wanted to see more of these characters. I wanted to kind of dive into how they're doing, what their status is, like how they're dealing with all the things happening in the Marvel MCU right now. And I think that's what we got. And we got a lot of great statements about race, a lot about struggle, about what are we all doing here, trusting people with power, certain kind of mantles that we put people on. I thought this did a really cool job of 
talking about that. Maybe not the best way or whatever, but it was, uh, I thought, done well through the characters. I very much enjoyed this particular episode. Had a ton of oh shit moments. A ton of moments that I rewound and watched again. Yes, I'm old. I said rewind. Uh, So I just... You're watching this on VHS, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Alex. That. I yeah. actually watch it digitally, record it on a VCR I found out in the street, <laughs> uh-huh. and then I, I send a courier over to Pete's house uh, with a VHS tape. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I like to have that fuzzy line going all the time. It makes me. Feel yeah, sad. I add the fuzzy line in post <laughs> just yeah. so it's there. Yeah, yeah. Get that V hold going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I had the uh, the best time. I thought it was of my uh, life. The best. Of my life. <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was really uh, a lot of uh, great action, uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, it you know that whole Sharon Carter stuff was crazy. That's an entirely different thing that I think we need to chat about uh, because I personally have some issues with it. But Justin, yeah. what about you? What was your take on the series as a whole? As a whole, like I, I love the swings they took in the series. They put a lot of stuff on the table. It's great action sequences. The aerial work in this f- first and oh final episode was wild. Just so the much helicopter stuff. The helicopter stuff to the point where I was like, "Don't do this now. <laughs> Go <laughs> land." The thing where he's like, "Get ready to take over flying the helicopter, lady." I met over text. Uh, and he throws, I was like, go land, the, the, make him land. This is the most dangerous way to do it. Oh, it was such a great, and that lady stepped up huge. She was fantastic. She did. My main thought during that scene was, ah, oh, helicopters, his old enemy back again. <laughs> is that true? He taught a helicopter a lesson with that shield and his wing cage mm-hmm. uh, at a point mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love the themes that ended up on the table in this series. I do think this final episode was confusing and did not really land all the planes they had in the air from an air traffic control uh, storytelling perspective Um, and did it in a way I feel like all of the the plot changes and reshoots were the most apparent in this final episode when all the threads were coming together it was like wait why is everyone acting this certain way why is Bucky suddenly needing to talk to Carly on the phone and they have some sort of uh, tete-a-tete relationship. Sam and Carly talking made a little bit more sense, but he really like takes up her side in this in a way that I didn't quite expect at the end. I thought the Isaiah Bradley stuff, um, while uh, we didn't get a ton of it throughout the season, I thought the way it ended here was great. I thought yeah. that was really a sweet ending. And I mean, Sam and Bucky, I thought they ended up, the, the last little montage of them uh, back on, on the boat, was two, great. They're, two bros looking at a sunset. It was yeah, nice. It's sweet. And they are a good partnership, I think. At the very core of the series, having them together more um, going forward in what I think will be another s- season for this show, um, I think is great. And I just want to see more of them together rather than being a little bit at odds and, and, and working separately. Yeah. Now, uh, it sounds like I'm probably going to be the most negative of the three of us. And Pete, before you oh. jump in, before you jump in and re- yell at me, I just want to remind you, I only interrupted you several times to make jokes about salad. So let me speak my piece. OK. Oh, sure. Crouton. Whatever you need. <laughs> and just I your flippy floppies because you're going to get wet. But Thanks for calling are... me the crouton. The best part of the salad. Oh, wow. Not, not universally. What are you talking about, Alex? Um... Usually I get a salad. 
salad, I throw out all those, whatever those green things are in there, and I just keep those delicious croutons. Yeah. What about you should try toast salad. You're going to lose your mind. <laughs> Never uh, heard of for those of you listening, of nice. course, you know that we've been calling Alex Crouton for years. <laughs> <laughs> I thought overall there was probably a good two and a half hour movie somewhere in this six hour long television show is my mm. take on it. There were parts that I really liked. Like you were saying, I think a lot of the action scenes were very good. Carrie Scoland is great at directing action. I'm excited to see what she does going forward from here. Whether she comes back for a second season or does other stuff with Marvel, I think she's more than proved herself as a able MCU director, so that should be pretty neat to follow. Uh, I do think there were a lot of emotional moments, particularly in this last episode, oh, yeah, that I, I thought were up. very nice. But I also think a lot of the messaging, and I think you touched on this, Justin, was clunkily handled. I think it's worth saying. Like, the things that they were saying were worth saying and worth putting out out there. Yeah. And I don't think they're without merit, but the way they were said was blunt and not as finessed as potentially they could have been. They weren't as nuanced as they could have been. And I think potentially a better writing staff and Whoa! Uh, more judicious Take it easy, edits you stale piece of bread. Could have. <laughs> <laughs> could have done a more nuanced job with it. I, I, like I, specifically when it comes to the race stuff. And we've been talking about this all along, that these are all conversations worth happening, having, and I'm glad that they're in the show and I'm glad people are talking about them. Yeah. I'm glad they mean something to the people that they mean something to, but they could have been better stated and executed across the board, including this last episode where Sam gave like a five minute speech to a bunch of senators and they were like, you got it, dude. <laughs> Sounds good. Which everything in the speech, like I'm glad Sab gave a big speech there. That's yeah. good. He's proving he's been the dealing work. with a lot of stuff and how is he going to handle it? And if sure. he was where, if he was cap, like what would he say? And we got to see that. We got his monologue. His Captain Absolutely. America monologue. Well, I, what and I'm saying great. here, what I'm saying here is I understand the utility of having that speech. I think Anthony Mackie did an admirable job doing it. He's going to be a great Captain America going forward. But God the result. Result of it, the the framing of it, that a bunch of senators are standing on the street and they're like, oh, well, we didn't really think about that. And then they completely reverse position is ludicrous. <laughs> it just is. Well, it's, like it needed, this it is needs an extra beat there. It needs an extra beat. It needs somebody. And I don't know if they didn't have time or the setups or something like that, but just some sort of thing of like, even we were publicly shamed and public opinion is turned against us. We need yeah. to go this other direction versus them hanging their heads in shame and going like, all right. You've been no, Captain I, America for five minutes. I get what you're saying. Sounds well, good. Well, especially because oh, we, we see the oh, senator at the oh, end. Oh, no, 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 no. First off, back up your fucking truck there, all right? You beep, don't beep. disrespect him. He hasn't just been Captain America for five minutes. All right, he's been Falcon for a long time. All right, so you can't just say, like, oh, whatever, <laughs> new guy. Your he's argument, not fucking new, all right? Your argument that he's been Falcon for a long time does not contradict my argument that he's been Captain America for five minutes. Because he has. Because it's literally been, he was in New Orleans. The GRC it's was than attacked. Five minutes. It he might was be in New Orleans. The GRC was attacked. He opened up a suitcase, somehow put it on, and flew to New York in like twenty minutes, which was very impressive. So I, I was wrong. It wasn't five minutes. It's been like at least twenty minutes to half an hour. Yeah, exactly. So sorry, Pete. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I think your undertone is fucking bullshit because it's like eh, eh, it wasn't done in a proper Pete, that's way. That's my overtone. Okay, sorry, my fault. Um, <laughs> But my point still stands that, like, 
yeah, you can pick apart, but at least we're having this new messaging. We're having uh, difficult discussions. Maybe they're clunky. Maybe they're not right. But putting stuff out there like this is important. And especially coming from here. Alex said the same thing. So I, yeah. I you said it I, a little bit more douchey than I'm saying it. So I'm trying to help. You're saying it more angry than I'm saying. You are it. certainly. Right. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Alex is saying it and you're yelling it. And I don't know which is better for discourse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I, I agree. I do think because you agree that it was longer than five minutes. right? I said I agree. Um, <laughs> I, wish, I wish we were able to see him flying from all the way from the south up to um, the big meeting at the GRC, just like a long episode mm-hmm. of him flying. Yeah, that would have uh, that would have upgraded it from like a C plus overall to a B minus at the very least. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Like, I think um, I think having the senators at least seeing the cameras bearing down on them, just an extra shot of that where you're like, Oh, that's why they made their change. And I think in general, like a lot of context and sort of underlying uh, rationale would have helped this series as a whole, especially this last episode. We don't know what changes were made in the script after they shot because of coronavirus and all that, but the stuff with Carly and the flag smashers, especially like, and it makes sense. Like if the their whole reason for being and reason for committing their crimes changed in the reshoots, of course it's going to be hard to understand. And it was in this episode. <laughs> like it just was like sort of incomprehensible. It's made the GRC those super bad guys, and all of our heroes were in the middle. The fact that Walker comes back, no questions asked, and is just fighting with oh, that was Sam awful. and Bucky. And then he just like, like he gets a little salute and a how to do, and then he's like back out in the world. It was like, wait, what? He was the bad guy. <laughs> that it, was it's all... that was wild. The John Walker stuff. I understand why he ends up in this position. I, as a comic book fan, I'm happy to see him in the U.S. agent suit. Him working for Val Julia Julia Dreyfus, very fun in that whole scene. And I I even appreciated the little tease there that things are about to get weird. Obviously, we're heading towards some sort of Thunderbolts like Suicide Squad situation where they're going to be going into insane a mysteries. Marvel Seinfeld reunion, I think, is really what she's talking about. Yeah, who would it, Jerry Seinfeld be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and why? Is would it Modok? Modok, yes, mm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, shrinkage. Who are these people? L- Largeage. <laughs> <laughs> Large head. Large head. Uh, I mean, to get back to the John Walker of it all, though, I I agree with you that it's like it felt like they were making plot decisions for a lot of these things rather than character decisions that followed up on the things that we've seen before. And I, I guess that's getting to a lot of my issues with these things. This is my big issue with Sharon Carter, where particularly at the end of the episode, it's like putting Sharon Carter in the position, and I know we're jumping all over the place here, but I do think it's tied into this discussion of how they're thinking about plot in the series first, rather than necessarily what makes sense for the characters. Revealing her as the power broker, we suspected that pretty much from her first appearance, right? Like, we threw that out in the podcast, so that's not a huge surprise. But at the end, her saying, I'm going to sell out the U.S. government (laughs) and sell all their secrets, and making her a legit villain in the Marvel Universe betrays everything that we've known about our characters so far, including what we've seen of her in the series. It's, mind you, I think a good thing for Emily Van Camp as an actress, it's much more in her wheelhouse. So next time we see her, you know, rolling over Madripoor as a double agent, great. 
but it doesn't make sense. It's moving her from one place to another place on the chessboard, and it just doesn't work in terms of the lead up. I don't and see we got no that... understanding understanding why she did it. Like she just is like, I'm bad now, without any sort of like what's in it for her. Like why? Like right well, throughout the whole well, series, it, there's it no was reason. talked about that she was you know just kind of like shunned and brushed aside, and she was struggling to kind of figure out her deal and she kind of turned to the dark side and then when she got the keys back she was like you don't know who i am i'm gonna fucking tear you down so like i thought that that was an interesting arc and like kind of crazy for that character but interesting do you think at all though and and i've certainly seen this a lot online people talking about this i certainly felt this way them calling her agent carter and then her turning out to be bad is also just kind of shitty to all the Agent Carter fans. Like, people really love yeah. Peggy Carter and using oh, yeah, that name amazing. in that way. I'm surprised that you like this beat because I think you'd be like, get her name out of your mouth, basically. <laughs> yeah, I can understand what you're saying, but I just think that, that this is such an interesting twist that I didn't see coming that I'm like, oh. But yeah, Peggy Carter, I mean, that's just, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> and that, and the whole, like, that whole moment where it's like, it's nice to have the Carter name. I was like, ooh, ooh, this is, this is painful. But also very interesting and something I didn't see happening. Uh, you know, as someone who's read a lot of comic books and seen a lot of storylines. So the kind of like, this is new of it all, I guess, surprised me in a way that kind of kept me from being angry. Also interesting that that senator um, who was like the, the GRC senator, he's, he's the one who pardons Sharon Carter. I was like, this guy, he was just like, taught a lesson and then he's like and uh sharon you're free i was like wait why, why the same guy I did you have give... this guy for a day what, what yeah. was going on <laughs> there are other senators right yeah. yeah um i love that he had a line in bring the back scene the helicopter Sam. senator she's the real winner yeah she i mean uh, even her have her do it she was a hero at least in the yeah. at least at one point in that yeah and she's the senator of helicopters which is yeah. a very powerful voting block yeah, yeah, I hope to someday move to helicopter. Uh, I have the, they have a lot of great perks in that state. Um, that senator, though, um, has the line, you have no idea how complicated the situation is when um, Sam's talking. And I was like, that speaks for this entire episode. That could be the <laughs> plot. That could be the writer talking about, like, what's going on in this show. It's it's. <sighs> You're going to jump on me about this as well, Pete. But I think this is one of the things about the MCU that I think people complain about a lot. And I don't think it's always true, but it's superhero movies. So they're not necessarily going to like really, really dig below the surface and rip things up and destroy things in a certain way. Uh, I do think we've gotten that occasionally from some of the TV shows. Like I, I call Luke Cage season one, I think is a, probably more successful exploration of race. Uh, Jessica Jones season one, more successful exploration of rape culture. And those are both things that like really drove into it. I don't know that you can do that on the Marvel studio side of things. You know, they can touch on it. They got as deep as they could for what they can do, but it sort of felt like, I don't know. Again, I know I kind of threw the writing staff under the bus and that's not fair. Yeah, I don't know not. if it was notes from the studio. I don't know if it was them not being able to go all the way or whatever it was. Regardless, it all came off very surfacey a lot of the time. And even when it worked, like the emotional moments with Isaiah worked because Carl Lumley is awesome. He's great. He's so good as Isaiah and he makes you feel things as an actor. But 
there also was a lot of wonky back and forth in terms of his arc to the point where in this episode, Sam's like, man, you've got no sense of humor right after he laughed about something. And I was like, what? what is going on with these lines? What is happening here? But I don't know. I think you're, um, uh, there's something going on in your life that's making you overly critical of something that is supposed to bring joy and, and maybe, fun maybe it's your life your as life. a critic is making you more critical, Alex. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I'm a little let worried me, about you. Uh, parse that apart and write an essay about it. Well, maybe you should go and like hug your kids or something. Feel a little bit better. <laughs> no, I don't have helpful. any time. We have to take podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whose fault? Critical is that? podcasts. <laughs> Pete, I think you need to be more critical. Why don't you go criticize your kids? <laughs> Criticize my kids, actually. Oh, that's uh, fun. Hey, Pete, I'd love to do that. that. Yeah, I would love to do that. Don't do that to me. Hey, uh, uh, it's Pete. Can I talk to Crouton's kids? <laughs> <laughs> the little Croutons out there? Put put the bacon bits on the phone. I got to talk to them. <laughs> uh, but enough of this negative Nancy bullshit. Let's talk about some of the moving, amazing action sequences. There were so many oh shit moments. Like the first time we got to see. Captain America in the new Captain America suit, like unbelievable, like such a, oh, I literally wrote, oh shit, three times. Like it was three times. So powerful. So cool to see like, oh man, you want to talk about like, and like throwing the shield out first, like, oh, just, oh, just so well done. But Pete, I mean, in Pennsylvania, you're only allowed to write, oh shit, twice in a row. Yeah. Sh- now, I, I love that, too. I thought that moment was perfect. They know that needs to be iconic, and they completely nailed it. What did you think about the moment later on when he's fighting, and one of the guys says, yeah, go Black Falcon. Funny call back to earlier right, in the series. Right, right, and the right. other guy turns directly to camera and says, yeah. no, that's no, Captain, Captain America. America. Yeah, I felt that. I was like, he's right. Oh, you like And he's that. talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. Careful, Alex. <laughs> Sometimes you got to turn the cheese up a little bit, man. Come on, dude. Don't, like, take yourself so seriously. Sometimes you got to have the guy looking directly at you who says, no, that's Captain America. Do you see? I mean, I will say Captain America, Pete LePage. Do you feel this? Very much on the nose. The amount of time they let that guy pause, pause, and then say his line. I was like, at least do this quickly. You know how cheesy it is. Um, (laughs) But I got to say, like, I I agree that arrival at the top of the episode was cool. Um, I love that they kept uh, that Captain America has those wings now. I think we talked about that last episode, uh, whether or not they would do that. So I was like, they did it. And the fact that they jumped right into jokes uh, on the arrival. So I think that helped them earn the cheesy side when the first arrival, they were like, Captain America, I thought he was on the moon. And then Sam's right into uh, Batrock with some baguette French uh, mockery, like (laughs) that kept it sort of in the grounded area. So later they could be like, give us the. Yeah, later they could be like, au revoir. Yeah. And I loved, just to talk about the costume for a second, this is straight out of the comics. This is exactly yeah. the redesign from all new Captain America. And I love that they kept it almost exactly and put it on screen because it's a great looking costume. Yeah. It looks good on Anthony Mackie. Like you were saying, having the mix of the wings and the shield and the way that he uses it is super fun. Um, that scene right uh, right after the helicopter cla- crash where he gets on the bridge and he yeah, blocks he uses, the guy. Yeah, and he then like he wraps his wings off. and the shield is the right. top part to protect it all. It was so awesome. It, it was, was so very cool. awesome. Now I want to go wait, back. Wait, 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 yes. wait. Before you start shitting, please, <laughs> let's just stay in this moment a little bit longer. So then when he's flying for the helicopter move with the pilot, 
he first does like a spin move, throws the shield, that cracks open the door, and then he flies through, perfectly grabs the pilot out. That was bananas fun. Bananas. So let's talk about Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to some more bananas fun. But no, come on. Like, seriously, like, the shield work was so, like, to see him yeah. handle the shield like that. How about the part where you, like, after all the shit goes down the mm-hmm. truck and he like throws the shield, takes out all the bad guys at once. I mean, like it, they were really hyping up the superhero moments when he is like holding Carly and like flies, like flies down. Like that is a superhero shot. Yeah. Another really- very subtle moment uh, that seemed to suggest to me, and I don't know if you guys got this, that he's like an angel bringing her down. Oh <laughs> Did you see that imagery is all? I don't know if America's anybody caught that. Angel. <laughs> America's angel. That's right. That's America's ass right there. I was, was... thinking Victoria's secret angel, but whatever. Oh, you oh interesting. Uh, yeah. Strong choice. Um, yeah, both both equally valid. Uh, I think, um, I mean, I thought the, the shield work was great and, Thank you. If nothing else, on the positive side, you can walk away. When they flash the title at the end of the episode, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I think that is 100%. He earned all of it. The action, like, just as good, if not more interesting and unique than the original Captain America in the movie. So, like, that at least was well done. And they knew they knew to get that 100% right. Yeah, and I think they did. I think... This series was about Sam's journey, right? Uh, Which is great. And I think they did a good job overall with that. I think Anthony Mackie sold the arc. He sold the emotions of it. Um, Like I was saying earlier, even though I wasn't 100% sold on his speech to the senators, I think Anthony Mackie did what he needed to do from an acting perspective there. And he's Captain America going forward in the MCU. That is the status quo. Damn right. The thing that fell to the side, though, was Bucky and Bucky's arc, which got second. He has second billing, so I guess it kind of makes sense. But Bucky in particular got very lost among everything else that was going on with Carly, with uh, Zemo, with even the shield kind of got arguably a better arc, I think, than Bucky did. Like, I liked (laughs) him apologizing to the guy at the end. But I fucking straight up started crying when he starts like knocking on the old dude's door like I was already too emotional. The fact that he manned, manned up and like or whatever. I don't want to be sexist. Like he realized, like he listened to, uh, you know, Sam was like, you need to do the work. You need to fucking tell that guy what happened to his son. And he does it. And I was like, yo, Buck, you could have gone a little easy on yourself and like, you know, painted a better picture. He just straight facts. Like, yo, I killed him. I had to good luck with your life. I'm out. I was like, damn Bucky, that was cold. But I was crying as soon as he started knocking on the door and he finally told him the truth. It was very, that's, they started that and then walked away from it. And I'm so happy that we got it at the end to kind of give it that closure. I guess my slight disappointment, and I, I'm glad you felt all that. and I'm glad you like that. I think they hit it so much harder in the first episode in terms of Bucky's trauma and how he was dealing with it and trying to deal with it. But in between everything else that's going on, I do think, A lot of that got lost. They came back to it here in the last episode, but I needed more of it strung along. Bucky kept walking away from everything and doing his own thing and often disappearing for whole chunks of time while they were focusing on Sam. It felt like maybe this is my incorrect expectation, but going into the show that they would be getting equal billing. They did not. Yeah. 
It makes yeah, I agree. sense. It, it's your on your weird expectation. That's not the way it was set out. Okay. Well, so, and we talked before the the show started about how it was them sort of vying for the shield or like competing for it, even in some ways. And that was not at all on the table from the mm-hmm. jump. And so I think that did inherently put Bucky at sort of in the second position. But I agree with you, Alex. I, mean, I, I would have liked to see more of what this journey is, or maybe. Bucky even prioritizing his list above the actual superheroics that they had to do to to save the world from the Flag Smashers, and him learning the lesson like this the this book is over. It's this stuff you have to deal with on in your own head, but that that's crimes that were committed, and he needs to pick up the pieces. But he can live in his moment and really achieve stuff with Sam now, and I feel like that would have been, at least been a lesson for him to learn. In this episode or in this series, he didn't really learn much. He just made the choice to amend rather than avenge, to use their language. I, I disagree. I think he learned to open up a little bit more to let people in. But also, this show isn't about Bucky. This is about you know Captain America picking up the shield and becoming Captain America. He is okay. literally half of the title. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Now well, Captain guess America what? It's the, the second half. All right. This isn't about Bucky right now, okay? This is about a bigger thing. This is about somebody picking up the mantle of Captain America, and it happened to be a black person, and, like, how great is that, okay? So, like, the Bucky stuff can take a back seat for a minute while we deal with this. Of course. No one's saying it. it, Like, I think that's the fine that that's the way they told the story, but it just, it made for Bucky not not having a full story for this. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a way to tell two stories at the same time and give focus on Sam's journey. But the way it started, the series started was like, here are these two people. The first episode was split in half basically between the two of them. And so my ex- expectation was like, oh, we're going to see these two stories. And they were like, actually, no, you're going to no. see this story. You're going to see a lot of Zemo dancing. Yeah. You're going to see some <laughs> right. real asshole guy who shouldn't have the shield, have the shield for a little bit. And then we're going to see him hang out for a little while and try his helmet on. And he has hard time with helmets. It's very clear. Yes. Yeah. I, I think we're actually in agreement here and you're just giving us a hard time, Pete. But uh there it is. Couple of other things. We did touch on Isaiah's arc. What did you think about the scene in the museum where he Start gets a statue? Start I balling. thought that was great. What a nice way. I didn't see it coming. Um they established the museum right at the very beginning and we get that yep. scene with uh, with Don Cheadle walking with Sam uh, through there and to come back to that with Isaiah and having his own exhibit there, I thought was a very, was really smart, great way, emotional way to to bring that story to a close. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I wish we had seen War Machine there again and he just like had never left. He was just there for weeks. <laughs> he like, like, steps out behind This museum is confusing. Yeah, He's like, like, I this all up in time. Like Look what I did. I don't want machine, not navigation machine. Someone help me. <laughs> uh, before we start to wrap up here, any other notes either on the episode or the series? Um, I do think, just jumping back on Sharon Carter real quick, the fact that she kills Carly also was fucked up. Like, yeah. we didn't talk about that. Like, especially when you learn that she's the power broker and she has, uh, you know, has a reason to kill like that's premeditated murder from <laughs> there a, was a quote unquote hero. 
Well, this gets into something that we talked about in the last couple of episodes, particularly with John Walker, is the show's very weird morality when it comes to killing people. And honestly, this is an issue that I've had with a lot of MCU movies, particularly the Captain America movies, where he's just straight up killing people with guns. I get it. That's part of war. I understand it. But there really is a very fuzzy line here between John Walker killing a on-the-run criminal and then Falcon and Bucky usually doing the same thing and also Sharon Carter doing the same thing. And it's not in a murky, who is in this interesting morality way, but it's just hard to suss out what we're supposed to think is right and what we're supposed to think is wrong because they haven't made that delineation there. Especially for a show that is like saying, hey, America, look at your actions when it comes to race and, and th- this certain set of things, some politics. And then it's like, but don't look at the reactions where it's like justified killing versus unjustified killing, um, where it's like, oh, no, we just do that. However, it suits the story, I guess. Um, so it was it, it was a sort of a blind spot, I feel like, in the show, to your point. Well, particularly also because John Walker kills somebody, goes crazy, tries to kill Falcon and Bucky, and then he saves one truck like we were talking about earlier. And everybody's like, you're OK. Well, <laughs> like Bucky he, claps him on the back at one point. He only almost saves the truck. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, he tried to save the truck. Right. I I don't know. Um, Pete, any final thoughts before we start to wrap up here? Yeah, I just I feel like uh, the the it was fun to see Zemo reading. You know, that was a nice shot. I think it was super important. Uh, But I do like the fact that they kind of confirmed in the show that Zemo was behind the uh, truck blowing up at the end there. Uh, Well, technically, that was his butler who did it. The butler did it. The butler did it. Well, yeah, but the butler was working on orders from the Zames. Was so, he? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then just the the I, Isaiah uh, moment at the end where he was just like Black Captain America, and he was like, damn right. I was like, oh, worth it. That the was good. And also on that note. was worth it. I, I liked Elijah in this scene as well. They're clearly yeah. setting him up for Patriot and Young Avengers down the road. He seems charming. He seems fun. I'm excited to see more of yeah, him. Yeah, the line like someone's got to teach you some manners. I mean, that's just saying like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be exploring this later. Yeah. All right. Before we start to wrap up, we should do a vision board though. And for the vision board, maybe maybe there's going to be. We actually don't know what's going to happen at this point that we're taping with Bucky, with Captain America, with any of these characters going forward. Certainly we've had plenty of speculation that Val is going to be leading the Thunderbolts. We're probably going to see more of her and Black Widow coming out in a couple of months now. So we'll probably have a better idea of what's happening there. But what is on your vision board going forward, either for the series, do you want to see a second season, or Bucky and Captain America separately? What do you want to see next for them? Justin? Yeah, my prediction, I, I feel like everyone's like Thunderbolts movie. Um, and I think that that to me seems less likely. I feel like it's harder to jump these characters. Like who's going to lead that movie? Zemo from a just like a, a billing standpoint. Um, uh, John Walker, I don't know. Um, to me, it's uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier season two is the Thunderbolt season. Mm, and we're seeing we see that come together. I mean, it makes a lot of sense just from a normal TV standpoint and not, if this weren't an MCU show, we'd be like, Oh, they're setting up John Walker to be a future problem for Bucky and, uh, and Sam to deal with. It's just the fact that we're an MCU brain. We're like, okay, now they're going to jump over here and they're going to be over (laughs) here. But really it makes so much sense to be like, 
Sam and Bucky have to come back together to deal with John Walker and the Thunderbolts, who are a team of heroes, but they are suspicious of them um, out of the gate. So that's my prediction. Pete, you have anything on your vision board? Yeah, I think uh, I'm excited for uh, hopefully a season two where we're going to get a Sharon Carter Val showdown. And the only person who can stop him is a senator who knows how to fly a helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah, uh, chopper senator. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just, I, I agree a little bit uh, with JT says, and I want more of like Cap and Bucky kind of, uh, you know, hanging out uh, and, and being on the same uh, page and it would be nice to see how they team up and how they work together. Um, Bucky and yeah. Sam's sister. What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, they definitely spend a lot of time at the shrimp oil at the end. So oh, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I really like that idea of taking this. You're absolutely right that in no way did my brain go towards, Oh, this is setting up the second season of this series. It's true, but we're, we're yeah. our brain is poisoned. Our mm-hmm. MCU brain. But uh, on the flip side, I almost from an optic standpoint, I want to see them give Sam as Captain America, the same level of treatment they gave Steve as Captain America. So I want to see a solo Sam Captain America movie because I want to see three of them. Even though these shows are huge, they're getting an insane amount of viewers every single episode. There's still the the niche that a movie sort of lives in, and it feels bigger than these Disney Plus TV shows. So uh, I would like to see that happen. I also want to see, I, I loved, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I love that line from Val where she says, things are about to get weird. I want to see somebody actually take it super weird, like have the Thunderbolts going up against the craziest shit possible rather than doing it in this series that feels a little more grounded, feels a little more straightforward in terms of a second season. But I'll also watch whatever, literally whatever. Great answer. <laughs> um, and a couple of quick shout outs in this episode that I didn't say before. Love that the whoever designed the GRC room was able to put in some very intense emergency lighting mm-hmm. and uh, screen work there. And <laughs> yep. a lot of Batrock. We're going to see more of him. He was sure leapt a lot in this. Episode. He got shot and died, right? Sharon killed Batrock. Did he die? Probably not. Did he? I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right, folks, that is it for our Captain America and the Winter Soldier portion of the podcast. Now, we are going to be back on June 11th talking about Loki when that series comes back. But in the break, we're not going to stop doing episodes. We're going to start doing. We're not, Pete. Surprise. We're going to start doing a phase one rewatch of the MCU movies, one a week. It times out perfectly. With phase what one, wait, do we get, it's meant wait, to do be. we get to go back in time and be the younger versions of ourselves reviewing these things, or are we doing it now? A bunch of young guns reviewing them. No, we're gonna we're gonna come at them from the perspective of watching them now, what they mean in, now that we have twenty three, twenty five Marvel movies uh, wow. beyond our belt, under what our belts, something like that. Uh, so we're gonna be starting off with Iron Man next week, and then going forward with everybody's favorite, The Incredible Hulk. But we'll do all of the Phase One movies, and we should leading mention, into Loki. And we, and we should mention that you picked these because if we were in charge, there would be yes, I picked like the Blade. first six Marvel movies in order. Blade, <laughs> motherfucker, very carefully Blade? curated. Blade Jesus. is not an MCA movie. Yes, it is. Why Counts. are you erasing Mahershala Ali 
Pete, oh, yeah, don't, Pete. You, don't you try to fucking That's really that interesting. Shit. Choose don't your you. favorite blade, Pete. Choose your favorite. There's blade. only one so far, motherfuckers. And I should mention as well that we're going to have some special guests as we go through Ooh. every episode of the show. So that should be fun to get some different perspectives there. Oh, well, if you want to watch along, start with Iron Man next week, going through the Avengers, leading into Loki. What did you want to say, Justin? We're going to do a special live um, Blade podcast. You just have to go to Pete's apartment in Philadelphia because he's <laughs> always screaming about it. Yeah. yeah. And bring yeah. a bag of croutons. He loves that. Oh, the worst. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about everything MCU. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. <laughs> we out, Crouton. Let's see it. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.